Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to Better Living. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. We are continuing our conversation about DFW Restaurant Week. I just got done with Dr. Ashley Elgin. She's the CEO of Lena Pope, half of the organizations that get all the funds from DFW Restaurant Week. We now turn to returning guest, Trisha Cunningham. She's the president and CEO of the North Texas Food Bank. How have you been? I've been great, Nick, and thanks for having me back. It's great to see you. Uh, I, I mentioned it off air. The last time you were here was in 2017. At that time, you were new to the organization. You are now a seasoned vet. You've got it all figured out at NTFB. Uh, how have things been going? You know, it's been great. Um, you know, I started in July of 2017, so I ate my way through the first restaurant week, and I did gain <laughs> 10 pounds, I will let you know. So, yeah. so Ashley, I just am going to warn you with that. got to watch out for that. But, but I've learned to pace myself the last couple of years. But, uh, you know, it's really been amazing because just as Ashley talked about, when you're coming in new with a CE, as a CEO, you're able to just really see the vision of where you want to go. And we have sort of big, bold goals of trying to get to 92 million meals by 2025. But we have an even higher aspirations because that's not even the full meal gap. If you look at our 13 counties that we serve across the North Texas Food Bank, there are over 800,000 people that regularly miss meals. And we want to make sure that every one of those people has access to good, healthy food because we know that's what it's going to take to help them to be able to move beyond whatever circumstance they're in. A big portion of what the organization does. It's not just food, it's good, healthy food. Absolutely. That is our focus. So we do distribute more than last year. We provided access to uh, 77 million meals. This year we're going to surpass 80 million. Actually, uh, we are on track to get substantially higher than that. We're looking at double-digit growth this year. Really? Yes. What accounts for that? Uh, well, I will I will tell you. I mean, a little I'm bit. I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. I mean, obviously, we have a new facility. Mm -hmm. And because we have a new facility, we have additional capacity to be able to serve. And that was part of why we wanted that facility was because we knew it would help enable us to be more efficient in our operations. And so we're working on that. We're still getting better with that. But for many people, the whole China trade deal might not have been a good thing. But mm. for food banks, much of the food that would have normally been sent to China and purchased there has been delivered to food banks. And so we have increased our amount of government food that we've gotten as well. Certainly something I did not think about. Were, was that something that you guys saw ahead of time? When you, when you found out what was going on with China and all that kind of stuff, did you know, oh, this is going to redirect a lot of food to us, or was it kind of a, a surprise? So when we go and we advocate, so part of what we have to do is many of our programs are funded through the government, and so at the 
at the federal level, there's things called the Farm Bill. And in that Farm Bill appropriation, we get funding for programs like the Emergency Food Assistance Program. And so we get that from the federal government, but it's executed in Texas by the Texas Department of Agriculture and Health and Human Services Organization. So we always have that. And they've always given us bonus loads whenever they've had additional product that they needed to uh, purchase from farmers or it was excess surplus product, they would get it to the food bank so that we could distribute it. We knew that with because of the China trade issues that there were going to be some excess food. So certainly we lobbied to try to make sure that we were able to get that food in mm-hmm. hands because the farmers had already grown it. And we wanted to be able to make sure that we had access to that. So that's part of what the Farm Bill is about, is making sure that it's a strong economy for the farmers. And whenever you have something like that that impacts the farmer's ability to sell their product, then they don't want to make sure they want to make sure the farmers don't suffer. So we were able to get some of that product to be able to to distribute it out. And so, you know, we we at least through the rest of this year, we should see some of that product coming in. Feeding your Texas, you're helping out farmers. You guys are doing it all. Last year you guys handed out 80 million meals. 77 million. 77 million. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your goal is 92. That's for 2025. Why that specific number? Why 92 million? So back in 2015, there was a 10-year strategic plan that was put in place. And we knew that we were not meeting the needs of our 13-county community at that time. So they wanted to focus on those who were most vulnerable, those who needed the food the most. And that number was 92 million. Those are those that are at 165% or below of the poverty level. So those who were most in need. So that's the 92 million number. This past year, if you look at the full Map the Meal Gap study that Feeding America does, for our 13 counties, the meal gap is actually 127 million meals. So that's the full meal gap of where everybody who is in need. So that's everyone 165% and above and In the below. 13 counties? In the 13 counties. And so that's, that's really not every meal that they eat. Mm-hmm. Part of the calculation is that we know that all the families provide their own food. This is just supplemental for them to help them to get beyond because most of the people that we serve, they are, they're working. They're working families. Very different today than what you might have thought of from food banking in the past. But most of the people that we serve are working families if they're of age to work. Many of them are children and many of them are seniors that obviously are not able to work because of either their age on either end of the spectrum. Um, Some people are surprised to learn that only 5% of who we serve are the homeless. And sometimes the homeless. It's only 5%? Only 5%. That number is shocking. I thought that it was going to be higher than that. Yeah, so most of them that we serve, they they have jobs, they're trying to take care of their families, and they're just not able to make ends meet. So people see unemployment going down, but what's happening is they're underemployed. So they have jobs, but they're just not able to make enough money to be able to support their families. And that's the the bulk of who the organization is helping. Exactly. It's almost kind of scary that there's that many people that are employed, that are doing relatively well, but not well enough to have the basics. Exactly. It, it kind of makes you look at the community in a different way. You know, we call it hidden hunger here. Many people don't see it. We sort of go into our own little subdivisions and things, and things seem to be okay. But I can tell you hunger exists in every zip code. We've talked to people who we serve through the tornadoes here in Dallas that have never had to have assistance before. Yeah. But because their world was turned upside down in a moment, they needed somewhere to be able to go get food. And so we're there for that. We're there for those people who are uh, just trying to make ends meet. Maybe they had a health issue in their family or they've had transportation breakdown and you have to fix the car. Or you've had to fix the roof on a house 
because you have to be able to live in the house. These kind of unexpected expenses can really put a family over the edge. There's research that shows that most families can't withstand more than a $400 unexpected expense without having to go and make some tough choices. And that's where you guys come in. And that's where we come in because we want to make sure that food, the most basic of needs, that they have access to that and they don't have to worry about, am I going to be able to provide a meal for my child tonight? We're talking about all the the things that you guys do, but let's kind of get the basics out of the way. When you talk about the North Texas Food Bank, how does this process work? How does NTFB do its job for the community? So we are basically a nonprofit logistics company. Our primary role in this is gathering and distributing food. About 80% of the food that we gather, and most of that is either through, through government, through manufacturers, food retailers, other people. We have canned food drives, or about 7 to 9% of what we bring in is canned food drives, plus a great education opportunity when people do that. Mm. But So we get all these various sources of food. We bring it in either to our warehouse or we go take it directly. We have it taken directly to some of the 200 partners that we have in the community. And these are their own separate 501c3 organizations. And they're their own, they have food pantries or some type of feeding program. So it could be a homeless shelter, but it just could be an organization. I just came from our former facility in South Dallas. Crossroads Community Services is operating from there. They have an on-site pantry. So it's even additional services than what we had. And they showed the growth from just being able to increase their capacity of what they were able to be able to serve there. And so it's those partners that really get out the bulk of the food, but then we have our own programs as well. There's some areas that there's not a pantry. So we have mobile pantries that we can take into those areas to make sure those underserved areas have access to food. And then we have some very direct programs. Uh, We have school pantry programs, for example, for children. And these are almost like a pop-up model pantry where we would take food, dry goods, as well as produce into a school. Every child in the school, it's typically schools that are like 95% free and reduced lunch. And we would go in once a month, and they get provided access to about 35 pounds of food. And everybody can get it, so there's no stigma involved with it. Mm. And we are actually have just piloted a new model up in Collin County, where people don't think there's hungry people. But behind Dallas County, Collin County has the second highest number of hungry people. But we just piloted a model, model up there for our school pantry program, where actually the students are the ones that are doing the distribution. And they love it. It's a great leadership opportunity for them. And they love being able to serve classmates because they take food and they give food to the other classmates. Is it important for a successful organization like this to try new things, to do new programs? You could easily stick with what works. You know what works. But you're saying that's a new that's a new program in a relatively newer area of town that you guys are kind of focusing on. Is that important for an organization like NTFB? So I believe in innovation. I spent 30 years in the technology industry, and if you don't innovate, then you become stagnant. And we can't become stagnant as an organization as long as there's still hungry people to feed. So we have to innovate. We have to be able to see what can we do to be able to make sure that we have access to people when and where they need it. So yes, things like the school pantry program, putting a new twist on that, how that can be delivered, how we can reduce stigma. We have to we have to do that. For our seniors, uh, we were just talking off air about a program where we had a program where we were delivering groceries to seniors who were homebound. We've partnered now with VNA who does Meals on Wheels. Their core competency is door-to-door delivery. That's not our core competency. So shouldn't we partner with organizations and collaborate to make sure that we can 
we can provide the food, but they can provide the feed on the street to be able to get there. So that's a new innovation. So how can we collaborate with all of our 200 partners and other organizations in the community to make sure we have this most basic need met? Because if we can help solve this issue of hunger and having access to nutritious food, we raise the boats for all those organizations. You mentioned it earlier, and I thought it was a very interesting way to look at the organization, not just a food bank. You said that the organization essentially works on logistics. Exactly. Has that always been the way that you guys view this organization, or is that a new mindset? It's always been part of what we've done. But I think for people to really understand the scale of what we do, that's what I've had to start doing. Otherwise, they think that we're a food pantry. We actually, at our new facility in Plano, we have a 230,000-square-foot warehouse and distribution center. When you go in there, you see racks and racks of food. So there's 11,000 pallet locations. It's larger than four football fields. We have 26 truck bays. We have over about that same many number of trucks. We have four semis. We have about 23 box trucks. We have three mobile pantries that we own. We have two that are owned by one of our partners that we direct where they go as well, too, in order to be able to get this out. So we have to use transportation routing systems. We have to use you know, good systems to be able to manage the inventory, uh, how we manage our truck routes. I mean, all of that has to be managed. We've had people on our board that have been from the retail side, and they said, you know, your job is even more difficult than ours because we know what's coming in on trucks whenever they're dropping off. But sometimes, yes, we order food as well, too, but sometimes we get donated food or diverted loads or rejected loads that aren't there and they'll say we'll take them to the food bank and see if the food bank will take it and if the quality is good yes we'll take it and we'll just pay for the freight and we don't have to pay for the food that's how we can be very efficient with every donor's dollar but we'll they may call up and say hey I've got a load of onions or I've got a load of tomatoes or I've got a load of cereal and we have to direct them to the right door to be able to offload that and be able to give them a receipt for that do you guys have a name for the surprise food that just shows up <laughs> no not really but w- thank you is our name for it <laughs> <laughs> you're in you're in charge of a small army i mean with the amount of people that you're working with the amount of space like your headquarters is crazy we, we were mentioning it off mic ashley elgin was talking about how amazing the facility is how long have you guys been in this place We moved uh, in August of 2018, so that's one of the things that we accomplished since I've been there. We started the building in September 2017 and finished and moved in in August of 2018. And, I mean, honestly, we are truly blessed. I mean, there were so many people that contributed to our capital campaign that made it a possibility. We wanted to be more central to our 13 counties that we were serving, and that location was still the highest needs in Dallas County, and we're continuing to serve and even better serve Dallas County because we have the capacity now to be able to do that. So we're more central. But the other thing we wanted to do is we actually looked at where our volunteers were coming from. Many of them were driving an hour to the south campus facility that we had, but they were only coming maybe once a year. Now we're seeing repeat volunteers. As a matter of fact, we've had to limit the number of volunteers per shift just to make sure that we can provide a meaningful volunteer experience for them. We had 41,000 volunteers last year. People are really wanting to help this organization. Yes, and, and we're it's so blessed. See. We're so blessed to be able to have the people that want to come and support us. And we do still need volunteers. So of course, please make of course, sure people course, still know that we still course. need volunteers. But I will tell you, the volunteer shifts fill up quickly on Saturdays in particular. So look during the week. During the holidays, you better you better book early. 
or you won't be able to get in because, you know, we're just so fortunate to be able to be one of those desired places that corporations and individuals want to be able to come and help serve with because they know right after they finish their volunteer shift, how many meals they've packed and what that program is about that they've actually just worked on. So we want to make sure they understand the impact that they're making with their time because people's time is very precious and they choose where they spend it. And we are just very thankful that they choose to spend it with us. I would say you're in a very fortunate position because you were with the organization before you got this great new space and you were mm-hmm. you had to deal with the transition, which I'm sure was not easy. And then now you're in your new digs. What has just being in this big new location done for the organization? Does, does this space provide something else to the organization that it didn't have before? So I think there's a couple of things there. We, we know that there's hunger in our community, but it has made it more convenient. We're located right off of George Bush and Coit in that area. So it's really easy access from almost anywhere to be able to get to the facility. And it's new. So we are able to, to maximize efficiency because of the new space. And we are able to bring in experts. We use third-party experts that are volunteers that want to help us to do good. We had an organization, NFI, help us design our rack space mm. to make sure. Because that's not our expertise. I wanted to ask about that. I, I joked earlier about, you know, you're basically in charge of a small army. Who do you guys learn from? It's not like you can learn from the local other guy's food bank around here. Who helps the food bank to better itself? So there's a couple of things there. Number one, we are part of a larger national organization, membership organization called Feeding America. In the Feeding America network, there are 200 food banks just like ours of various sizes. But we are one of the larger food banks in the Feeding America network. But we share best practices. That's what's different than whenever it is in my corporate world. We're not competitive. We're cooperative. We all want to be able to solve this issue of hunger. So if someone has a great idea, they bring it to one of our conferences or one of our meetings that we have, and we and we go. I've gone to northern Illinois. I've gone to Oklahoma. I've gone to various food banks across the country, Tampa, Phoenix, to be able to see what are their best practices. So whenever we're wanting to do something, we want to take the risk out of it as much as possible. And if they've done it and we found out that they've done it successfully, we we try to find out what they've done. So that's one thing. Number two, I think the best places nonprofits can learn from are from for-profits. Mm. For-profits have more resources, and we have many for-profit organizations that support us. So when we go and we talk to someone about possibly supporting the food bank, it's not all about money. It's also about what expertise do you have and what resources do you have that you could help us with. We may be having certain issues. So our board chair had a relationship with a technology firm, Guide IT, because when we moved to our new facility, technology was imperative for us to be successful. We had a full technology assessment, and we made changes as a result of this assessment in order to make sure that we were going to be able to be sustainable in our operations going forward. So we are, we are fortunate that people will give their time to us. Part of what we just had is a hunger index built. So we were serving at the county level, and we could tell how we were serving the, the food insecure people at the county level with based on data that Feeding America provides us, but we couldn't drill down further. We knew, for example, in Dallas County, there were zip codes that had food pantries in them, and there were others that didn't. Through this hunger index that Bain helped to, to build for us, we just got it before the holidays, we can drill down to the zip code level, and we know whether we have a one of our food pantries that is one of our partners near that location or not, 
So when we want to make investments in where food should be located, we now have a strategic tool that can help us decide where we need to put access to food. So maybe we take our mobile pantry out there. Maybe we work with one of the community organizations and show them here's high need and it's not being met. Would you like to partner with us to help fill these needs here? Or maybe we have other strategies where we can go and and encourage other partners that are already in that area to expand their services. You mentioned a company helped you with rack space. Mm -hmm. When you're thinking about storing this much food in such a large facility, what did that organization help you guys to learn? So when we designed, first designed our facility, we were going to use a different kind of forklift. And it was a nice fancy forklift that you would bring in and it would actually swivel, but you could use narrower aisles to be able to go up and down through there because of this kind of forklift. They looked at our plan and they said that those are very expensive because you have to maintain them a lot more and they break down more because of that functionality. They said you're better off really going with a certain kind of forklift, but I know you still need the capacity. Let us help you redesign the layout of your racks so you can still use the traditional style forklift, less expensive for you, less maintenance, and then will still give you the capacity that you need. And so that's what they did. They have engineers on staff at NFI that helped us to basically take that floor space. I just had them out a couple of weeks ago to show them the result of their work. And they were so excited to see what they've helped to enable. Does it look a lot different? It does from our original design. Really? It does. And we had looked at some other food banks that had done the narrow aisles and thought that was the way to go. But like I said, we weren't the industry experts. And so we, when we had the opportunity to use that expertise, we listened. And seriously, the efficiency that we had, because to go in and use those narrow aisles and to wait for the turns and all that, it really reduced our efficiency in the, in the food bank. So being able to have the wider aisles with those other kinds of forklifts, we're able to to pull more food and get it out with less people because we try to be very efficient with the resources that we have because we want as much food and dollars as possible to go directly to feeding programs. You guys get to learn from experts and run a better operation because of it. And then the experts, they're helping out a great organization and they get that feeling as well. I, I think it would probably be a great way to drive businesses and partnerships. It's a great way for everybody to win. Yes, and we're not the experts at it yet. Uh, we are. We even looked at, with our board and trying to put together sort of a resource guide of who do you know kind of resources because this whole issue of skills-based volunteerism is, is new in the nonprofit space. Mm -hmm. And we're really trying to get our arms around it to see how can we really use these skills versus just their hands on the warehouse floor, which we need which is great, and we love for people to do that. But sometimes we do need access to specialty-type skills, and if we can get that donated, then that's more money that goes directly towards feeding. For families, people, whoever needs to get food, how do people get food from the North Texas Food Bank? So if you go to ntfb.org, on our site, there's a place that says, I need help. And there's a partner agency map that will be pulled up, and you can type in your zip code, and it will show you all the agencies within the five miles of there. We have people call our receptionist and she can pull it up as well too. Um, but the website's really the best way to be able to do that. And then it, it tells you about the agency, what their hours are, and then you can go there. Most of our agencies, when someone will go there, there is a client intake process. So if anyone goes there that's hungry, they will get food that day. But the great thing about the partners, which is an extension then of food, we provide the food People go to those agencies because they're hungry, but then that agency can find out why are they hungry. 
and they can determine, okay, so you have a health issue. Have you been to the doctor? Do you need to go to the doctor? Can we help you connect with that? Uh, or they may say that, well, I just got fired and or I got laid off and they can try to find out what are your skills? Can we help you? Many of them have career placement programs. Um, there was a woman that goes to one of our went to one of our partner agencies, MetroCrest, up in the for Farmers Branch area, and she had run a convenience store in the downtown Dallas area with her son. The convenience store closed during the downturn. Her son found other employment. Her husband got sick. She ended up taking care of him, but then she didn't know how to market her skills. She ended up at a point that she needed food assistance. Someone told her about MetroCrest. Went there, they found out, oh my goodness, you've had experience running a business. And so they were able to help her to remarket those skills and then she got employed at Thompson Reuters. You know, so those are the kinds of stories that we see whenever people go there and they go there because they're hungry, but then that agency really helps them holistically to try to advance beyond their current situation. Volunteers. If people want to volunteer for the North Texas Food Bank, how do they do that? Yeah, so you go back to our website, ntfb.org, and you say, I, I want to help. I want to, do, I want to volunteer. Actually, if it's ntfb.org slash volunteer, and there's a calendar that comes up, and it shows you what shifts we have available in our distribution mm-hmm. center. We also have mobile pantries, so if you want to work directly with clients, uh, you can volunteer for one of our mobile pantry distributions because those go out and directly hand food to to people um the mobile pantry is a great example of something new too that we've done since i last talked with you you know college students food insecurity is a huge issue and so dr joe may at uh, dccd said how can i get this mobile pantry to my campuses and so we work together to be able to get a mobile pantry a new mobile pantry funded and so it goes to all seven campuses now there because he had over 40 percent of his students that were regularly missing meals and we know if they don't have access to that food if they have to get a job it's going to take away from their academics and helping them to be successful Mm. and we know that education is the key for many people to be able to go beyond their current circumstance All right, we could talk all day day. about NTFB, but we are also here today to talk about DFW Restaurant Week presented by your North Texas Cadillac dealers. You guys raised over a million dollars last year. It was the first time you guys have ever done it in the 22-year history of DFW Restaurant Week. Huge news for you guys. Tell me about that experience. You know, we were thrilled to hear that we broke the million-dollar mark. Uh, this is our largest fundraiser, and it's so easy for people to do. They just go out and have some great food, and it's a really win-win. I've talked to many of the restaurants, and they said if they didn't participate in DFW Restaurant Week, their restaurants would be empty because people gravitate to the restaurants that are a part of Restaurant Week. Because August is a it's a high vacation time, so sure. there's people that are out, and it drives people to the restaurants whenever those restaurants participate. So they they love being able to participate in Restaurant Week, and you know these are top notch restaurants. These are places where people want to go. People that places many people go anyway, but it also opens up access to some of these restaurants to families that may not be able to go there on a regular basis, and they get to try it and they get to experience, you know. Papa's Restaurant, they've been at the top of our list for 10 years, bringing in $55,000. They brought in $55,000 last year. That's one restaurant. Now, like as you mentioned, they've been the top restaurant for the last 10 years. Yeah, so think about that. That's probably a half a million dollars. Easy. 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 That they've been able to help us. And so for every dollar given to the North Texas Food Bank, we can make three meals out of that. 
So hmm. Papa's alone, one and a half million meals. And if you look at the 700 and almost $711,000 that was our portion of this time, this 2019 restaurant week, we're able to provide 2.1 million meals just because people took the time to go and say, I want the DFW Restaurant Week menu. And for the $39 meal, we were able to get $8. For the $49 meal, we were able to get $10 for everyone that dined. So thank you to everyone who participated in Restaurant Week. Papa Bros, number one, and they have been for a long time. Del Frisco's right behind them, and then Capitol Grill Plano, mm-hmm. uh, third place. Are you able to talk to any of the restaurant owners about how they view this experience and how they're able to not only help their business, but also the community? Absolutely. That is one of the great things that I love about this. Whenever I go out and I have make my open, open table reservation, I always make sure in the comments that I say, would love to speak to the manager. Hmm. And I have them come over and I personally thank them, number one, for being a part of it. And I ask them what their experience is and want to understand. And for the most part, they are just so gratified to be able to participate and give back to the community in this way. I mean, their heart is really in it. Um, Papa's in particular they bring employees out. They do a volunteer day at the food bank. They want them to know what the efforts that they are doing during restaurant week are serving. So we love that whenever, you know, I've always been a proponent that it really does take investment plus involvement to make an impact and to take their employees and let them see firsthand what the results are going to give. Yeah. I think that's just very powerful. Well, it's again, it's got to be amazing for the business owner. You're saying it's also amazing for the staff. We talked about the heavy hitters who have been working with this for probably a really long time. But I know that there's new there's always new restaurants that are coming in. Last year, the ranch at Las Colinas Mm -hmm. and HT Supply in Fort Worth were some of the top earners. They won the newbie of the year award this event keeps growing and growing and getting bigger and getting bigger. It's a great thing that you guys are a part of it. And I mean, over a million dollars raised. What are you guys going to do with your portion of the funds? So every dollar invested in us, we wanted to provide meals. I mean, that's what our core competency is. Our mission is to have a hunger-free, healthy North Texas. And so everything that we bring in, we're going to provide meals with. So that $711,000 is equating to more than 2 million meals in our community. If we didn't have restaurant week, we would really struggle to find where would we find those 2 million meals. All right. We've talked about the food bank. We've talked about DFW Restaurant Week, once again, presented by your North Texas Cadillac dealers. If you want to learn more about that event, DFWRestaurantWeek.com is the website. The 2020 event is going to be coming soon, so haunt the website for details on that. And, of course, if you want to learn more, help out. Get anything that you need from the North Texas Food Bank, their website, ntfb.org. I've been speaking with Tricia Cunningham, their president and CEO. It was great seeing you again. Congratulations on all your success. Please come back. Thank you, Nick. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.